from Washington, D.C., this is the Beyond the Dumbbells Show, your source of information and inspiration for living an audacious life. Audacious life. Hear interviews and social banter with special guests on Fitspiration and news from around the globe. Here are your hosts, fitness and lifestyle experts, Brian and Jenny Sweeney. Howdy, howdy. What's going on? So... How you doing? I'm doing good. We're <laughs> we're behind. We're behind on uh, our content, so we, we got a good we got a good uh, discussion for today, and it's it's relevant because we're both suffering from it right now. <laughs> exactly. And that would be what injuries. Being injured. Um, so you're pursuing like it. You're you're pursuing a healthy uh, lifestyle, and you're in the gym doing what you can. Um, but injuries happen, and yes. a lot of times. Um, People like to go after injuries like it's reactionary. So people mm-hmm. don't really care about yoga. They don't care about foam rolling until they're already busted. And then that's when usually all the experts come out of the woodwork about how you need to stretch <laughs> and mobilize and, and take care of everything. But the longer you are in the fitness game and the so your training age is how mm-hmm. many years you've been training. Correct. And, and once you initially start working out, your training age training age is very young you're susceptible to injury just because you don't have the movement patterns down properly Mm -hmm. so small things small little lightweight and it doesn't take a lot of impact doesn't have to be ballistic training but you can tweak something just Mm -hmm. because it's brand brand new and you don't have motor control yeah absolutely but then when you get into a higher training age and your body's very strong and you do have good muscle memory what ends up happening is because you're you're playing the odds at that point. The, mm-hmm. the longer you stay in the game, the more opportunity there is for right. risk. And we were having this conversation with a client this morning. Um, this person was kind of a little bit overwhelmed. They couldn't believe this had happened to them. Mm-hmm. They're like, I can't believe this. I was like, this is the first time you've been injured since you've been training with me. It's pretty remarkable, <laughs> right. you know, that this is the first thing you're complaining about. And I don't mean complaining. It was a, it was an injury. It's a legit mm-hmm. injury. Um, but normally, what is what's your protocol? So, and I know I, I harp on you a lot because I don't think you, I don't think you mobilize and take care of yourself enough. Oh no! And it was my big joke up until two years ago was that I never even I could jump straight into a workout cold, and had the good old days, and literally never had an injury at that point. And then, as you said, the the training age goes up, and what I found was that I still thought. I could do exactly what I did without warming up only with higher weights now or more intensity. And it's like, please, yeah, I can totally do this without warming up. And your, your body, I think does like, it's like a rebellion or something where it's like, you're, you need to respect if, if, what you're doing to me right now. If you, if you abuse it on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and this is where I'm saying it's just, it's an odds game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anyone that's truly consistent enough with um, general prescription warm-up, no problem. Right. General loose prescription foam rolling and, mm-hmm. you know, passive stretching, that's that's great. Um, exactly. Passive stretching mm-hmm. is where you're using like a foam roller or a lacrosse ball mm-hmm. or you're doing flossing. And then um, active stretching is where you're forcing things to happen. Right. Um, there's still a large number of people that believe you warm up a little bit and then you start doing real hard, you know, bold stretches, you know. <laughs> right. you. When you stretch too hard, especially on big muscle groups, uh, your your hamstrings, your back, um, quads, when you force it, you're not actually 
it's not stretching to the point where you're like, oh, look, it's loosening up. You're doing enough damage. <laughs> I was going to say you're doing damage. That, that, you, know, you're, you can do enough microtrauma with excessive stretching done improperly as if you'd worked out. Mm-hmm. So exercise is nothing but um, intentional trauma. Yep. So you work out, you do damage, you give it an active amount of recovery time, and you give it the right nutrition, and it repairs itself stronger. Mm-hmm. You don't. There's not some secret compartment where you just start adding like extra coal to the fire. I mean, muscle building happens by doing damage. Absolutely. And your stretching routine can do damage. Yep. And I think a problem is, and we, it's the same thing that comes up all the time. There is so much information out on the web. And there's so much guidance given by different doctors, depending on, you know, what, what their area of practice is, that it's very confusing. So a lot of people think the first thing that you should do is you walk in and you stretch when like you're cold. Yeah. You know, and it is like you were saying, it's, it's yanking on an ankle and it's twisting your arm around your back and it's not recognizing exactly what the purpose of getting your body ready for exercise is. It worked when you were younger and yeah. you nailed it. Um, even as early as your late thirties, not as much of an issue. Oh, nothing. Um, we have a friend that, um, he needed 30 to 45 minutes much younger. And he yes. says, I know my body. If I don't get 45 minutes to warm up, I will get hurt. Exactly. He had a good awareness of what he needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until much later that I had to take my time and actually start getting into a, a routine that just said, okay, condition each joint, mm-hmm. warm up, get the body temperature up. And most, I've seen really bad warm ups where they're just way too fast. Mm-hmm. And I've seen really bad warm ups where they're too long. And it <laughs> might as well be a workout because <laughs> of the damage you're doing. All right. Um, so we're going to go over just some general ideas on how to stay healthy. Um, we're going to cover some repair and recovery techniques, especially when it gets into tissue manipulation and some places you can look for other than going to an ortho. Yes. You know, you don't need to go straight to an MRI and get radical treatment for a sprain. Mm-hmm. And only you will be able to tell your, your pain threshold. You know, some people <laughs> are addicted to surgeries and some people <laughs> love freaking doctors. You know, that's not me. That's not me. So, um, First and foremost, your routine, regardless whether you're working out by yourself or you have a, a trainer or a coach, the whole point of the warm-up itself is to get the body temperature up. Yep. And hopefully while you're doing it, you're just kind of moving around a little mm-hmm. bit. Pay attention to the main joints, ankles, knees, hips, lumbar, shoulders, neck. Mm-hmm. Just get moving. All right? oh, yeah. You can't come your crickety ass out of bed and go right <laughs> into the first time you turn your head, you've got dumbbells in your hand because that's how you get the zingers, right? <laughs> right. So... You should move well enough that you've got a little bit of a flop sweat. Yep. And then you're doing some just kind of dynamic um, movement. Oh, you're yeah. just moving like around. Light, I love like a light jog. Moving like around nothing, a bit. You're not sprinting, but it's just kind of like almost like a hop back and forth but, from right to left. A little bit bouncy. Yeah. But it, it should take three to eight minutes mm-hmm. of just kind of getting the things loose. Mm-hmm. Now, I like to just say knocking the rust off. Yep. So get the cobwebs out, knock off some rust. You're not ready for activity yet. You still have to kind of do a systems check. Mm -hmm. And that's usually what I do for my stretching period. So I get done with either the bike or the row or I'll just do something moving in place, but I've got my own routine. Mm -hmm. And then I will run down ankles, knees, hips, shoulders, and just see how things are feeling that day. Mm -hmm. If something's tweaky, I'll do more warm up on that joint. And if it's still pushing back on me, I have to scale or modify that day. And it could be no pre-standing injury it's just that day something got a little bit could have been the way you slept oh yeah um but the important thing is you listen to your body every single day have an awareness yeah and 
we talked about training age and the the longer your training age the more you become in tune with what you need mm -hmm. and what you need to avoid but then uh, even today ego feathers in there a little bit and when the um, the endorphins are pumping through and you're like i can go more and i can go harder mm -hmm. you kind of disregard some of it because an old flash of your stronger self pops up out of nowhere and you're like I could do it. Of you course. Know? And you, sometimes I don't think you, you take seriously that tiny little thing. Like if there's just a, you feel something pull or something off and it's just kind of like, and eh, that was just a little tweak. I'll be fine. It's like, just, just take one second. And then it manifests <laughs> into a debilitating injury. Um, all right. So now you, we'll just run through a little bit of injuries and yeah. there are some common things that we see in a lot of our adult athletes because they, most of the injuries are related to new. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into some of the more advanced injury opportunity uh, a little bit in, in a minute, but, uh, the big things, what do you see most in most of your classes? Uh, I'd say number one is knees. Knees. So mm -hmm. this, the basic movement, your walk, your gait, your lunge, mm -hmm. the ability to squat. And most adults have lost the ability to squat properly. Mm-hmm. Then I've always believed that the, the fountain of youth, if you want to make sure you are resisting having to be put in the ground the longest, mm -hmm. it's from the waist down. Yep. Um, your hips, your knees, and your ankles. And obviously, you've got your lumbar support system and your core. But if you can't move, pick up. Um, oh, my gosh. Pick things up. Shuffle, lunge, walk, bend over. If you lose that ability, you'll become immobile. Um, you'll slow down. And then that's when things creep up on you. Mm -hmm. Now, a big issue when you say the knees, it's typically the way people do the lunges and the squats. And it's mostly, we're, we're talking about issues where it's malalignment. And you've got um, just the way the skeletal system is supposed to work. Um, it's supposed to be very much in line with, it, with itself. Mm -hmm. So you've got the big bone of the leg. Then you've got the smaller bone under the knee. Then you've got your ankles. And keeping it real layman. The idea is those structures should stand on top of each other tall, like a like structures in a building. Right. But when your knees cave in and out, or you're flat-footed and your foot rolls in and out, or you've got some kind of um, a lower cross syndrome or something going on in your hip where your your big booty's poking out too far, mm -hmm. or you've got your um, hip flexors are too tight and they're changing the way your posture is, those things can affect the way you lunge. Right. You can see this if you look at yourself in a mirror your knees should follow the same, a very similar path on the way down and on the way up. Mm -hmm. If your knees cave in too much or if they go, um, they wobble too much on the way up or they wobble too much on the way down, anytime you see that little bit of a, um, a waver or a shimmy, imagine your car with four of the lug nuts come off it. <laughs> so you got five lug nuts and four of them are loose. Right. Think about that when you're squatting up and down. If you're not solid, you don't have good um, tension in the right places, you can mess things up. So you've got um, structural malalignment, and then you've got your connective tissue and your cartilage. Okay, so, and again, I'm not going to get super geek. Those things have a shelf life. So the more you're, you're not able to keep your structures straight, you add extra wear and tear. I'll go back to the car. You start wearing tread off unevenly on mm -hmm. your tires. Your tires, in this example, are your knees and your ankles and your hips. The tendons can take so much. The cartilage can take so much. You know, all those... Um, soft tissue structures that are responsible for making you move without pain, mm -hmm. they're susceptible to injury. And all it takes now is a little bit of a ballistic, a jump or a twist in the wrong time or some weight in your hands, and you can really jack your knees. Oh, yeah. And sometimes you hear that 
you start to hear that little bit of like crunching and it's like, Ooh, is that crunching or grinding? It's Rice Krispies in your knees. (laughs) It's Rice Krispies in your knees. Now, can you walk through what should a normal lunge look like? So what's some of the cueing? Um, and you can practice this, um, at home, you know, it sounds so stupid, but no one practices moving well. They only do it at the gym. I don't think anyone that I know goes like, I'm going to work on my squats at home coach and uh, look what I can do. Exactly. Well, I always think like you take a step forward and like on your way down, can you find your balance? Can you, and as you're finding your balance, can you keep your knees in alignment? So what's a good cue for your knee? Where's it supposed to point? So knee is right over the second and third toe. Awesome. And where should the weight be distributed? It should be on, it's your whole foot mm-hmm. leaning towards the heel. It's brilliant. Um, Cause I think sometimes that gets confusing too. Like if you want to say like put the weight in your heel and then you watch people and they'll lunge forward and literally try to rest on the back of their heel with like their foot flexed. So they, um, so that's why I say like whole, they're taking it too far. Exactly. So uh, I always like to put my fingers under the toes. Mm-hmm. So as I'm trying to work somebody through it, um, because verbally is a very difficult way to cue some people that don't have good uh, awareness, but I'll put my hand under the front of your foot. So under the ball of your foot and my cue is don't step on my hand. So I'm under their shoe <laughs> and while, the, while they're, while they're <laughs> stepping forward, mm-hmm. it takes the weight off of the knee it takes the majority off the weight off the knee, the kneecap, and all the supporting structures around it, mm-hmm. which can't take you leaning up on your toe all the time. Right. And every time I talk to a client that complains of knee problems and we go through this drill, they said, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. And it's that part of an awareness thing. Yep. Um, so as you were saying, if the, if the majority of the weight is distributed on your heel when mm-hmm. you lunge, you're activating everything on the backside of your body. Which is what you want. Right. When you activate the front, the quads are very strong. Mm -hmm. And if you keep overworking them, they put force on the kneecap and it can, it can emulate like runner's knee where you just feel like you've got tendonitis on the top or the bottom or on the lateral side or the medial side. Um, so either sides or the tops or the bottom. And all of a sudden, once it gets ticked, you're stuck because tendonitis, when you get older, needs to be respected. Yes. Um, it can get chronic. Oh yeah. And the longer you ignore it and you can speak to this one too, what happens when you ignore a chronic tendonitis? I mean, I'm going to say that you've got to take a really, really long time away from training six, and you're in constant pain. Six months. <laughs> I mean, I think your longest standing injury was, um, like a tennis elbow. It was. And it was in proper form. Yes. And Oh, I can push through it. I can push through it. I can push through it. Yeah. We had a couple doctors that we worked with that did some voodoo that never fixed it. Yep. Um, but then once you got back on track, had the right reca- uh, right repair uh, protocol in place. Right. It was a with very the right doctor. F- it was a very fast recovery. Yes. But it was six months of being of not having any use of the injury spot. That's radical. So now the other injuries that we see a lot of, and of course this doesn't come close to you consulting a doctor, so please don't make it sound like we're troubleshooting your problems on here. I wish Um, we could. I would say this is a great conversation to take to your doctor Mm -hmm. and just say, hey, or your coach, your coach will be able to identify a bad movement pattern right away. Definitely. Um, But just say, hey coach, I got a little bit of pain when I do this. Um, Another big one, and we'll just do the major muscles, improper pull-ups because the way the... Those are scary. The way you grip... Um, I, I call it just grip and rip and that's where someone grabs a bar and they just violently try to pull their body weight up. Now, when you do this improperly, your elbows kind of come forward. Mm -hmm. So your elbows are pointing in front of you and Mm -hmm. you end up using a lot of bicep and forearm to pull yourself up. That's not the strongest muscle to pull your big butt up over a pull uh, over a pull up bar. Exactly. And we're talking about a pull up too. like people sometimes confuse a pull up and a chin up. So we're talking about your palms are not facing your body. You're facing away. Right. Uh, 
palms out. Right. Now, when you pull consistently, and, that's, and a lot of the injury comes from, it's like this stall pattern where <laughs> they, they initiate the torque and they kind of get stuck about a third of the way up, yeah. but they hold and they grip. Yes. And what you're doing is, is that, that tender little um, framework around your elbow, it's taking the brunt of the work. Mm-hmm. Instead of on a pull-up, it should be your back. Yes. Your back, your, your posterior shoulder. So the big muscles. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be the tiny little elbow extender. <laughs> you know, that poor little guy that gets beat to hell with pro- improper form. But it's people like are... a jerk pull up. Folks, well, you got a lot of strength in your biceps. So you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm just going to yank myself up over the bar. Mm-hmm. But people with um, a lack of training in the lats, um, traps, mid traps, everything in the middle of the back, mm-hmm. a weakness in there will leave you just dead in the water. You can't pull anything because... There's nothing in life that commands you to pay attention to your lats. Right. You, d- you don't really need them to drive. You don't really need them to work on a computer. It's everything behind you, everything on the backside, mm-hmm. usually is neglected to the point where it is, it's so weak, the biceps have no choice but to take over because <laughs> your mind is telling your body, get yourself over the bar. Right. And the only thing that's responding is your the things you put groceries away with. Right. You know, and the, those muscles which are overworked end up getting, you know, hurt. Yes. Okay, so what other do so forearms, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, it's above and below the uh, the elbow joint. Mm-hmm. Um, shoulder pain's another big one. Oh yes. Okay, so yeah, shoulders is probably the second one that I hear, and it's most often my shoulder hurts, and you know I absolutely tore X Y Z. Oh yeah. Like it's it's the, an immediate. I definitely the, tore it. And it's always torn. If, if you if you freaking tore something, you'll know it. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it's thankfully not everyone tears it. Mm-hmm. Now the shoulder, and we're going a little bit geekier than I like to. Um, but oh no! If you understand, I'm gonna have to pull you back. Well, the the big bone in your arm. Okay, <laughs> keeping it easy. I like this. The big bone in your arm. It's actually a freestanding kind of a bone into the shoulder joint. Okay, there's some cartilage in there, and there's some four tiny little muscles, which is your rotator cuff. I know. Which their main job is to keep that bone in in place. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like, um, they're just assistance muscles. Yes. Okay, they're not meant to carry the brunt of anything. All that big you know, bowling ball tissue you got on the outside of the shoulder, which looks, you know, why people look jacked when they put a lot of work into their shoulders. Especially me. Those do the major, that's right, especially you. <laughs> those do the majority of the work. Yes. Okay, so if you can visualize this. When your elbows, like let's say you're making yourself look like a goalpost. Okay. Your elbows are out to the side. Okay. See, now I have to do it. Your, that's it. Now okay. bring your, no, so your elbows are even with your shoulders, so they're high, and then the fingertips are pointing up the ceiling. So uh-huh. Jen's making a, a non goalpost positioning with her hands, which I think is a riot. This is where I was the that's first a, time. That's what you can kick you a football through. To, yeah. I think that you, I absolutely did this the first time. Brilliant. Okay, I'll, let's <laughs> pretend. They can't see it anyway. Um, <laughs> so in this position, those rotator cuff muscles, a couple of them, are at the very limit of what they should do. Yep. Now You it, can feel it if you think about it. And now if you take that position uh-huh. and you put a ton of weight in your hands and you oh, yeah. push away as hard as you can, yep. you really are... Because the big muscles are so not in the right spot to do the work that you initiate with your tiny ones, you can stress them or tear them. Mm-hmm. And that's if you're controlled. In a bad environment, your arm's far away from your body and you get that arm twisted away or oh, you're doing yeah. something violent or you're, you know, you're doing something that just the shoulder's not tucked in when you execute. Mm-hmm. Instead, the elbow's far away from the body and you're trying to do something. Exactly. 
I don't even know why I'm going this far down the rabbit hole here. But I think one of the most common things in there that people don't think about is you're doing like an obstacle or something like that and you reach up for, so let's say you're doing an obstacle race, Mm -hmm. you completely stretch your arm out where it shouldn't be and you let somebody jerk you up. Boom. Let's, well, you just nailed it. So Mm -hmm. let's go to like the mud race ramps. Yeah. So you're at the top, want to be a you know a buddy, exactly. And some some person throws their body weight at you while you're fully extended down, like let me help you, bro. Exactly. And he jacks your shoulder. Exactly. So either perfect example. They're they're gonna rip yours. I use rip uh-huh. loosely. They're gonna rip yours, or you're gonna rip theirs because you've got a lock, but you don't realize they can't help you at all. So you're like, hey, let me help you. What did I just pull? Dude, don't <laughs> grab for somebody that weighs more than you because you can barely pull yourself up on a pull-up. You can't pull someone heavier up in a ramp. And don't pull somebody if your arm's locked out straight. Pull your hand back. Sorry, right. dude. <laughs> I've actually seen you do that. I've gotten hurt too. Exactly. Because uh, some of those folks didn't have their own. They couldn't pull their own body weight up, and they relied on everyone at the top of the ramp to get them up. It yep. was not only dangerous for them. Yes. Everyone at the top was was holding their shoulder afterwards. And we're talking this monster, like skateboard looking ramp, like you said, and they make it halfway up and they are (laughs) in the air. Catch me. (laughs) (laughs) And every idiot up there grabs them. I mean, they they stick their hands out. I won't do it again. No. That next time I was up there and somebody rolled up, I pulled my hand back. It's like, sorry, dude. It's pretty good. (laughs) Squeaked all the way down. Exactly. Um, but when your arm's that extended, as you said, Ugh, you're susceptible. Freaky. You're susceptible. Very freaky. So the pulling, the pushing, the shoulders, a remarkable joint. It's got like nine positions it can do. Mm-hmm. And every one of them that you do where the, where the elbow's the furthest away from the body, the more dangerous it is for your, for your shoulders. Yep. The one thing with the shoulder, we're talking about injury prevention. It was the whole point of this. Um, execute where you have the greatest amount of control. Mm-hmm. Elbows should be 45 degrees out, maybe, or closer to the body. Yep. There's no real advantage unless you're well-tuned and have great body awareness and a very high training age to be doing stuff risque like all the other, you know, some of the dudes in the gym or ladies that might be a little bit more experienced. Right. Play it smart. Um, once the shoulder's damaged, it will never be the same again. Yeah. We've seen it countless times over the yeah. years, unfortunately. There's a, there, you've got those four tiny muscles and then you've got the big ones that can be strained and then you've got um, some assorted gaskets, I'll call them, and uh, <laughs> cartilage in there. That um, a lot of times, once they're jacked, if you tear, the surgeries are a nightmare. Yeah. Because uh, I don't even I don't know anyone that's actually gotten the surgery and ever had full range of motion. They just went after pain management, but they still couldn't put their hand up and wave at somebody. Exactly. Um, and some of this was big name hospitals too that wasn't able to help these people. Exactly. Or you hear the horror stories of just people that keep going back in. So it's like they want they think that they're going to be a hundred percent. So it's like you know the doctor says you know, we'll cut you again and we'll cut you again and we're going to make it right this time and, and new science and everything when it's just, you kind of have to accept if if you lose some range of motion, the likelihood of you getting it fully back is probably slim to none. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's the exception sure. along the way. But it's like if you respect the injury enough and just kind of, I think sometimes it's ego driven. Yeah. So it's like, well, I used to be able to snatch 300 pounds and now my doctor's saying I got to scale that in half. If you respect it, I guess the question is, do you want to be further injured? Do you want to have another surgery or do you just want to scale back and and respect your body? You're back in action faster and nobody likes to freaking take time off. I am the number one guy that boohoos, but it seems like every, every spring, summer when I'm getting ready to like get my big season on, Mm -hmm. there's something going on with my knees and my legs. And I have missed more training cycles because I've had to watch from the sidelines Mm -hmm. But that's the only thing that's really kept me, I recover better, 
I know my next lessons learned. What did I do? What did mm-hmm. I do wrong? And I know that I have to self-care a little bit more on those um, those joints over before. Mm-hmm. And I'm also willing, I'm quick now to pick up when an injury's coming. I'll back oh, yeah. off. And if you're fast about it, you don't need six to eight weeks. Exactly. You need two. Exactly. You know? um, now, the other big thing with injury prevention is there's muscular imbalances that exist in everybody's body. I mean, unless you're a professional bodybuilder and you're very <laughs> symmetry driven, you know, mm-hmm. you know exactly what you're doing. The body's designed, so, it's so cool that no muscle actually works on its own. Right. They always have an agonist-antagonist relationship. There's always one that actually starts, and there's the one muscle that actually returns the muscle to where it was, or mm-hmm. the joint. Um, if you are underdeveloped in one area, you spend too much time working on your chest and not on your back. Mm-hmm. You spend too much time doing all your quads. You're a cyclist. You, you do a lot of running. You, you, you ignore a lot of the, the posterior, so you're not paying attention to the back end. Yep. Uh, too much front, not enough back. Too much back, not enough front. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything about the body requires balance. Mm-hmm. I had mentioned before about um, skeletal systems where uh, the bones in the body should stack on top of each other. Like if you look at the, um, the spine, mm-hmm. it looks like a big Jenga game, mm-hmm. right? The whole thing's <laughs> got, a big, um, it's got a big S in it. But when uh, force is applied properly down, when you have compressive force, that Jenga game can carry weight. Yeah. It's amazing. Everything is right where it needs to be. But if you're out of alignment everything around the spine gets wonky. Yes. So your muscles require the same balance. Mm-hmm. So everything in the body's balance. Um, if you neglect a part of your body, if you're only a runner and don't do strength, that's neglect. Yes. If you're only a strength and you have no endurance, that's neglect. Yep. If all you do is go in and jack weight on leg day and bench and you ignore the back mm-hmm. and the shoulders and everything else, mm-hmm. it's your chances for injury increase exponentially. Absolutely. It's going to happen, right? Absolutely. Um, okay, so let's say... You talk to your coach, your coach gives you some great cues, you know what to do to kind of repair yourself. Um, Mindset as far as injury, people are very quick to tap out when they get hurt now Mm -hmm. because they don't want to be inconvenienced um, by the injury itself. My doctor said to stop working out altogether. Um, It's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard a medical professional tell someone that's already out of shape to say Mm -hmm. you need to become more sedentary to protect the joint that can't carry your weight because you're inactive. Right. But the doctor's role is to minimize pain and get you out the door. Yes. And the oh, fast- and write you a prescription. Right. And the fastest prescription to minimize mm-hmm. pain is stop doing what hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have conversations with the, our clients and say, look, if, if you've got a bad shoulder, there's the other 85% of your body that can still function. Correct. Okay. You're not going to be able to do the same as everybody else, but you can't neglect the other 85% Correct. because of the one. That's ego. Oh, if I can't do it all, I'm not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you don't understand how much it hurts. Everybody knows how much it hurts. Oh, yes. Everybody gets hurt. Yes. Um, so talk to your coach. Get get us uh, assessed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do functional movement screening, FMS, or if you do, um, what was the NASM one? Corrective exercise. A corrective exercise. So yep, CES. Um, there's actually disciplines where a coach can walk you through a screening and mm-hmm. find out where those deficiencies are before they become injuries. Yes. Again, injuries typically is a deficiency in movement or you're just bad form. Mm -hmm. So talk to your coach. What should I do? How am I looking? My knees hurt. My shoulders hurt. Let them look at you, screen you, and give you um, kind of a rehabbing protocol. Um, Trainers can absolutely give you fitness to help round you out and balance you. Now, let's say you do get hurt. The bomb's already gone off. Um, What's been your most successful recovery process? Um, So mine is ice. 
depending. I know there's a lot of stuff that goes back on ice and heat, but every injury that I have had, ice has been the answer. And my other huge one is staying consistent with fish oil. So for myself, if there's a a flare-up of an injury or something, I just double down on fish oil. I am not a... I am not a prescription medication person. I am not a, the NSAIDs, and mm-hmm. I'm just not that type of person. I I don't I don't like what they do to my body. But fish oil and ice for me, and above all, I respect it. Now I respect it now. <laughs> I had to learn that the hard way. Right, everyone. That's the only way we. You and I learn the best by we have to actually run the path Absolutely. and run the course but and figure like it out. Absolutely, but it's like stay off of it, uh-huh. and then if the if you know that it's ice or if it's heat, actually do it. The the whole heat and ice thing, ice is classic. So my favorite, if I need to get better quicker, that you can either expedite the healing process. You still can't really go at it. Mm-hmm. It depends on how. Like if if I've got a torn hamstring, right. Ice is going to let me up and move the fastest. But I think what works the best on a thorough heel, um, Mm -hmm. heat brings more of the inflammation protocol to bear. So a rotation of heat and ice. Mm -hmm. If you want to cut down inflammation right away and just kind of minimize pain, ice is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a lot of cool research out there about why heat's better than ice or ice is better than heat. Do what works best for you. Exactly. Um, The inflammation is part of the healing process. And the idea between with ice is, when you constrict everything, you limit the body's ability to get in there what it needs to do to heal. So ice restricts, and you can't get the inflammation protocol going that your body's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other school of thought is, well, heat's going to put too much in there. It's going to hurt even more. But the theory is you're getting all, all the recovery. Exactly. And I think over the years with the various injuries that we've both had, I think we've played with both. And it just... I think you got to say, if you have no idea, then that's a great thing to talk to your coach or your doctor about. Mm-hmm. But I, if you put on, you know, I'd had a, I had a really great doctor that just said once, well, which one feels better for you? Like if you use heat on your lower back, then does it feel good? Right. Or if you use ice on your lower back, does it feel good? Or does it feel good if you go every other, put on heat, put on ice? And it's like, listen to your body because you know, like it's... Unfortunately, the doctors can't always see it. So it's like, how do you feel when you apply one of those? Okay. Uh, I, I'm a true believer of ice lately. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. Um, now, the other thing that's worked out well for us is active release technique. Mm-hmm. So if you can find a practitioner, it's got to be a, um, it's got to be a license. So usually it's a board certified person. Mm-hmm. Um, chiropractors are good on this. Massage mm-hmm. therapists are good on this. Um, and I imagine PT, of course, but, um, Active release technique actually does its hardcore manual manipulation of the muscle. So mm-hmm. if you end up with some tightness or you've got restrictive blood flow or you've got fascia issues going on, um, art is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is you've got to hurt before you get better. So they will go at it. Um, but the idea, you might cry. <laughs> the idea is they, they work the muscle from where it connects from one end to the other. They will actually apply pressure and then move your joint as they see fit um, to kind of get the muscle to relax and respond the way it was. Um, If you ever see the football players on the sidelines after they've been hurt, there's somebody really working them over. Mm -hmm. That's typically art. Um, So find an art practitioner Um, with chiropractic. You can pretty much almost always walk in. Yes. If you go straight to ortho, it is a nightmare of a protocol just to get assessed. So make your appointment. You know, you're not going to get in there right away. You know, they're going to send you an x-ray. 
Then, you know, six weeks after that, if they tell you to take a break, they might put you to an MRI. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just a long gnarly path to go if it's just tendonitis. Um, but art's my favorite. Number one, we've tried dry needling. I'm not a massive fan of it. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I, I gave it a fair shot. Yeah. I got stuck a ton, but I didn't notice any, I would get some immediate pain relief, but the, whatever was going on with the muscle came back faster than it did with art. Right. Um, of course, if you're at the chiropractor, they can actually do more than just the, the manual tissue work. Uh, mm-hmm. They can actually work on your, your joints and everything too. So your spine and it's worth it if you're going to be able to go in there to get everything done at once. Yes, absolutely agree. It's the fastest care with the greatest impact than going straight to a a high-end specialist. Yes. Um, What else? What else has worked for you? Uh, The Epsom salt baths. Oh, classic. Yeah, classic one. It's so funny. That one's been around forever, and I think a lot of people just kind of forget about it or think maybe there's some new age science or something out there. They work like a, a gem. What's, what's old is you got to be consistent. Yeah. By getting all those extra minerals absorbed into the skin, you actually can improve the recovery process. Mm-hmm. Now, another one that um, a lot of people don't think about, you'd mentioned fish oil. Mm-hmm. And the number one reason that's advantageous is it, it's anti-inflammatory. Um, I'm going to misquote Poliquin here, but uh, Poliquin was a big f- believer of two to three times the dose when you're hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'd go over the top, even Definitely. if it was over what the studied amount was, he'd be like, get nine milligrams in a day. Mm-hmm. Um double it up uh, nine grams sorry so it would be three serving three roughly three gram servings of fish oil um but what you do also for the rest of the day it's not just about nursing and gimping around with that injury what you eat can be pro-inflammatory correct if you eat a lot of dairy if you do a lot of red meat if you're doing a lot of processed foods a lot of um, cooking oils those things actually all create inflammation which can prolong your injury People don't typically associate your food with your injury repair, but you can actually increase the speed of your recovery if you only go with anti-inflammatory. Exactly. Um, it's fa- That part is the most fascinating thing that I've ever learned. The with, inside out. Oh, it's, oh. And it is incredible how much food impacts you in a negative or positive way sick well i guarantee well so you you do need a good protein intake while you're hurt if you did a lot of damage get as much protein as you can but you want it to come from anti-inflammatory sources right now the fats um anti-inflammatory so olive oil flaxseed um any kind of fish mixed nuts seeds fish oil avocados those are all great Mm anti-inflammatories stay away from like i said burgers red meat um processed foods um the canola oils stay away from those Oh my gosh, I thought you were going to say cannoli, cannoli for a minute. I love cannoli oil. Oh, um, turmeric and curry are also very good. Curcumin. Um, and then there's teas and berries and cocos that I'm not real familiar with. Now, Precision Nutrition's got a great infograph out. Um, it's worth going out and checking if you just want a cheat sheet. Um, you're dealing with an injury, they'll give you an actual protocol online. So check out Precision Nutrition for that and just search on injury repair and mm. they'll go through the whole process with yeah, you. Yeah, they're pretty money. Um, I just said money. They are money. I'm glad. You oh my gosh. I just became you for a minute. <laughs> now the, the other, th- the other thing that I've used, um, then we'll, we're talking long. So Graston, um, I, I refer to this as getting massaged with a butter knife. All right. It's, it's not, it's not fun at I all. I saw that thing and ran for the hills. Yeah, it's twisted. So <laughs> what you want to do is that you can actually do more. You can do tissue manipulation. Uh, obviously it's external, but you're actually using a piece of equipment. It's mm-hmm. a very, um, it's a very large piece of Chrome bar, um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that they just start grinding and working the fascia. Mm-hmm. And 
when fascia gets worked, you increase blood flow to the site. Um, you increase circulation. You know, you bring more blood into the site while, while you're doing it. But a Graston uh, professional can actually start working on the tissue on the outside, especially when you're worried about scar tissue. So if mm-hmm. you're on the upswing from a recovery, if you find someone that does Graston, that's also a great place to start. Um, just so happens, chiropractors, they have to keep up with their continuing education. You'll find more chiros doing Graston yep. and art um, and yep. KT and everything else. So um, find one that works really good um, with the sports community. Yes. Um and it's kind of current on that stuff. They'll, exactly. they'll all be listed on those sites as professional pages. Exactly. But um, Graston, there was another one. Um, Graston's a name brand. There was another equivalent. I have no idea. It's escaping me. I haven't, I haven't had the pleasure yet. Um, cupping. Cupping's kind of, it's like Chinese medicine where <laughs> they actually, same thing, brings blood into the site, um, increases circulation to the site. But the idea is you're trying to, they get into more Zen. It's not just about injury repair. They're getting into more just general wellness that cupping mm-hmm. has a, a deeper um, reach. And then the last thing, um, kinesiology tape. Yep. So KT tape, something that I only became a true believer because I was, I was doing stage work out in, uh, in LA and it was after like three days of running classes and was destroyed and went to the KT table and I was like, look, I don't believe in anything you guys do, but I'm desperate and <laughs> can you help me? Oh yeah. And I kid you not. I was immediately good. Um, but kinesiology tape when applied properly, same thing. It kind of lifts your skin has layers and layers and layers. Um, each layer is bound to the, the other with fascia. It's, mm-hmm. Think of just this white grisly stuff that you like bite off on steak. That's how I picture it. But as Ew. that becomes matted down, the skin layers don't have circulation between them anymore and it slows the area as far as recovery. Mm -hmm. The KT tape kind of like cupping, it lifts the surface of the skin up, which is kind of meant to allow more fluid and transfer and everything to happen underneath. Oh yeah. And I thought I have to be honest too. I thought it was absolute garbage. And then, um, when you got certified to do it and you were like, Oh, very excited. And I'm like, okay, I've, you know, an injury here, whatever. Let's see what that dumb tape's going to do. And then you put it on and, it's it's instant like you instantly feel relief it's probably psychosomatic and it's just you know i got a boo-boo and i got a big band <laughs> and i feel better <laughs> well i mean and depending on the the um name brand of tape you buy there's some really cool patterns <laughs> that's right so you look good too so i'm hurt but it's like getting like superhero band-aids exactly i mean some people they have ones that look like tattoos Do you know what's fun? why don't they have superman like if they had Spider-Man or, or Hulk uh, KT tape, if, I'd, I'd wear it all the time. If they had Wonder Woman, <laughs> that's I'd make like a tape outfit. It's like underoos. Exactly. Um, do you have anything else to add? No. I'd be Respect your body. Just respect it if there's... Listen to it. Yeah. Listen if... If your plan is to do a specific something routine in the gym and you start your warm-up and something feels a little tweaky, especially in a joint, just change your routine up a little bit. Like That's an official word, by the way, tweaky. Tweaky, yeah. exactly. No, but just res- respect your body. You only get one. Pay attention. Uh, seek, uh, seek active care right away. Yes. If you run just to main primary specialists and they start doing all their stuff on you, mm-hmm. you're, you could be missing the opportunity to get better faster. Yep. Set your appointment for your ortho or your specialist or your back doctor, your knee doctor. Um, go to the Cairo 
first. Find it's, someone that does tissue manipulation I was just at about the to say same that. time. Yeah, I was just about to say, go to your chiropractor first. So the one's going to put you out two weeks anyway because you can't get in quickly to see a doctor for you know what anymore. Mm-hmm. The chiropractor will probably see you in a day. Yes. You get in there, they'll give you a different protocol while you're waiting on the other one and you might not even need the other. Exactly. But we know a lot of people too. We've ref- There's a couple close to us we've referred to hundreds of times. And I know people that just still have this day not walked in that door. I know. And they're still hurt. I know. So... I don't get it all. And it's cool because if you find a really good one based on the recommendation of family or friend, like we've got two who we recommend all the time. If you've got a good one, you they're being recommended because they actually fix you yeah. it's not or fix you to the best that they can. If you, now, if yeah. you're, if you're in an insurance situation, uh, this is a cool hack too. call and tell them you don't have insurance. They mm-hmm. actually have non-insurance rates. They're yep. business people, you know, they, they'll, they'll work with you. Exactly. Um, all right, so pay attention to your body, investigate other avenues, be quicker about it. Um, as you get older, your recovery or your um, your prep process might take longer. Yep. Um, and just be ready for it when it happens. You'll know because you just don't recover like you used to. Exactly. If it's taking longer to recover, look at your food. Mm-hmm. Um, a whole lot of pro-inflammatory will slow down the healing process. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, do your own research on the, the heat and ice, whatever works best is yep. king. But um, major injury for me, ice got me back up and moving fast. Right. Um, and mm, that's a lot. Don't forget your Epsom salt and your Epsom salt, which is a super cheap Avenue for muscle relaxation. So exactly. you can at least get some pain relief. Yes. Um, they make tubs very small now. I know they do. It's weird. <laughs> I feel like they're used to be like, I feel like we used to buy them in like 25 pound bags. Probably not really, no, but no, normal showers. Now I have to kind of, it's like I'm squeezing into a peapod. I mean, it's like, this is ridiculous. I, mean, I don't fit. <laughs> All right. So hopefully this is applicable. Um, it's a little bit more uh, geeky than usual, but mm-hmm. these are things we see. And this is stuff that can help people feel better right away. Yes. And if you're going to continue to train, the injuries are likely going to happen and how you prepare for them will help you in the long run. Amen. All right. Respect Juicy. yourself. Respect your old bones. That's right. Okay. All right. That's it, ladies. All right. All right. Be and true. gents. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Dumbbell Show. We know you have thousands of options for content and entertainment. We appreciate you spending time with us. If you enjoyed our show, please share our web address, www.beyondthedumbbells.com, and maybe drop us a review. Until next time, live beyond.